TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Welcome to Overnight America with Ryan Recker on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring. The flooring experts. Michael'sFlooringOutlet.com. It's that time of night, you can't stay uptight So come and join the people and I'm feeling alright Here on Overnight America Overnight America Yes, alright, lots to still get to in this hour We're going to talk to our friend who watches county politics very closely I mean, I think that's all he does, actually. He doesn't watch television. He doesn't um, do anything. He doesn't walk the dog. He doesn't uh, exercise. He 100% of the time is completely glued. It's almost like there's a wire that is plugged directly into his temple, and all it does is monitor county politics. His name is Tom Sullivan, and lots of uh, wasteful spending examples to go through, but there's one that is being proposed now. Why is that such a danger? We'll talk to him in a few minutes. And then we're going to go live to Israel. So this is kind of cool. We've seen the change in the way that the administrations in the country have handled the Middle East. In President Trump's fashion, uh, one of his first people that he reached out to was Benjamin Netanyahu and was talking about the relationship with Israel and how important that is for the United States. Tried to really pump that up and look at what that has done. It's, uh, you know, we uh, moved our embassy. We started to work on peace in the Middle East and towards the end of the administration, you even saw it where some of the different countries there in those Middle East countries started to talk to each other and put these different accords together. This was a huge step in the right direction, and it was something that was very positive, all of which could be jeopardized now with the Biden administration because they just will want to handle it in a different way. I guess uh, peace in the Middle East isn't part of their agenda, but to be fair, we're going to talk to the former mayor of Shiloh, Israel. His name is David Rubin. He's live in Israel. We're going to hook up with him. I forgot what time it is in Israel. I'm going to have to double check the time changes. I think it's going to be like 7.30 a.m. his time or something. Uh, so he's going to be up and early to talk to us, and it'll be the next day. So it'll already be uh, Thursday for him. To, oh, yeah. Okay, so when we talk to him at 11.30 here tonight, it'll be 7.30 a.m. his time the next day. So since it's still Wednesday the 17th in St. Louis, it'll be Thursday morning for him in Israel, and that'll be live. Super cool. Uh, I love when we get to talk to other countries 
uh, let alone ones on the other side of the world that have a lot of insight into the relations between the United States and Israel and what that means with the new administration and how that could be changing uh, what's going on in the Middle East and all the progress that has been made there. All right, our friend Tom Sullivan, right after the break, we'll talk county politics on KMOX. Weekday mornings at 8.30, Charlie Brennan and Amy Marks Kors provide perspective on KMOX and KMOX.com. He follows local politics very closely, in particular St. Louis County politics. Joining us uh, again on the show is Tom Sullivan. How are you tonight? I am doing fine, Ryan. It's nice to be with you. I wanted to ask you about a few things that are going on in the county. And when there's a request for money for certain projects, this is always uh, an interesting topic because we have a history of things where we've spent money and then we can, with hindsight, go back and look and realize that maybe it wasn't the best investment. The problem is... Uh, if you're a betting man, I would bet against the county in making a responsible buy or whatever they're requesting. It seems like there's been a lot of wasted tax dollars on a lot of different projects. And the county is asking for some more here soon for a pretty big project. Right now, the county is considering giving $6 million to what's called the PowerPlex facility. It's up in uh, Hazelwood. This is something that's been around now for a couple of years. It is a, an enormous uh, sports facility and, and sports uh, venues. They're going to have all kinds of different sports. This initially started in, in Chesterfield, but it didn't work out there. And uh, supposedly they needed to spend too much money on infrastructure. So then they went to the to the um, St. Louis Outlet Mall. This was the old St. Louis Mills, which was built in Hazelwood. It was a shopping center that basically failed. It was built about 20 years ago for $250 million, and it was sold in 2016 for $4.4 million. So, obviously, uh, the investors took quite a bath. Supposedly, though, there are some bondholders that are still around having to do with the property, and that has created a, a complicated situation as to the PowerPlex, how it's going to be financed. They have some corporate support. They have uh, various uh, retailers that they have, they're planning to go in. And they say that they need six million dollars from St. Louis County, and this is quite a massive project. They're going to talk about putting in baseball diamonds, softball, volleyball, beach volleyball, basketball, hockey, dance, cheerleading, lacrosse, field hockey, pickleball, huh. and wrestling. And then on top of that, they're going to have hotels, and they're planning on thirteen restaurants. And I mean, it just goes on and on and on. This is 160 acres. And uh, it's quite a quite a uh, extravagant project that they have planned. Mm-hmm. And the question is, uh, is the county going to be wise, or, or is it going to be dumb putting in the, the six million dollars? Because all the all the uh, things that the supporters are saying, I've heard on so many different things. We're going to bring in hundreds of thousands of people, and we're going to create uh, hundreds of millions of dollars of revenue. And Oftentimes, these the promises are, are not kept. This is almost the exact same arguments used for the loop trolley. So <laughs> that's what they're at now, and the, and the county is trying to decide what to do. They're, they came within a hair of approving this uh, yesterday's council meeting, and then they decided, well, maybe we better check and see uh, 
what the finances are all. So that's what's going to happen right now. Oh, my goodness. So we're already having issues when it comes to budgets because we don't know how we're going to make up the loss of tax dollars for all of the different coronavirus issues that we've had. Um, there's a lot of different issues when it comes to the collection of taxes and cutting back and what cities are going to have to do to offset it. And now we're talking about a project like this. Let me mention a few things, and um, you're going to have to remind me. Uh, I'm a little bit blurry on this, but there was a similar proposition, if I remember correctly, when it came to tax abatements. Was it for Centene, who said that they were going to expand into a bunch of buildings and then they're going to build a bunch of businesses, would be able to flourish around it, and we're like so many years later and none of that has happened? Uh, that's correct. They they were initially, I wanted like $150 million uh, tax abatement, and they've built quite a bit over there, but the, the, I think the... Um, the, the last phase is one they were holding up on, and supposedly that's because uh, the, the CEO of Centene says the crime problem is so bad in St. Louis, but then all of a sudden they're saying they're going to be uh, laying people off. So the promise that they made are, are, are not always kept in any of these projects. Yeah, and my point being is that when you have one of the huge profitable companies, we're talking huge companies in the country right here in St. Louis, who promises these other things too, that may have some troubles with it, and rightfully so, how in the world as a government entity are we going to be able to look at this and think that any of what they're projecting, the $6 million will be able to provide, will actually do any of that, let alone come all the way to fruition. Thank goodness they put pickleball in there so they get the pickleball support. But outside of that, we need to realize that it's not an easy thing to do. They have these pie-in-the-sky ideas that never pan out. And if they should look at the track record of some of these other projects they've gone with, I know that you've looked at a lot of them. There's been quite a few in the city, in the I should say the county, that haven't panned out. Well, that's that's right. And and I think uh, you know you can't just say no to everything, but at the same time, you have to have a, a pretty good idea that the money is going to be used as it as it is as it's supposed to be, and the fact that there's going to be uh, some benefit for the people people of this area. And when you look at something like this powerplex, which is so massive and, and so complicated in its financing arrangements, it really requires a lot of uh, a lot of scrutiny. And, and I might add, this is another thing where you could put the county auditor. Have them look at it. Have him look at it. If in fact we had a real county auditor, but uh, we do not. Um, I wanted to talk about some of those different projects. And Tom Sullivan joining us here. You're right. You can't say no to everything. However, I would be more inclined to say no to everything because of, <laughs> I think you have to get safer bets and more practical, pragmatic things. So, can we go through some of these different items that over the years you were able to look at? You mentioned the loop trolley being one of them, but just around in the the city and county, we've certainly had a lot of things that haven't come out. The Northwest Plaza, by the way, have we ever settled the problems with going back to the Steve Stanger contracts? That's still on the table. I have no idea where that's going. We we, we have all of this unfinished business we haven't intended to we're going to start up more business i don't get it well and it, it's, it's i couldn't help but think that uh, the way the council is handling the six million dollar request is, is pretty similar to how they handle the uh the northwest uh plaza leases uh keep in mind that this was probably one of the biggest ripoffs that st louis county has ever had and when it was before the council sam page who was on the council he said this is a great value for st louis county and Hazel Irby, who was also on the council at the time, said she fell in love with the project. So, I mean, this is the kind of scrutiny that these things are getting. But you look all over town. I mean, Northwest Plaza is, is just one. You can even go, you know, the airport, of course, is not far from the planned powerplex. We have the, 
the billion dollars uh, runway to nowhere. That was supposed to be a transformation for the area, moving it forward. Tore out a big chunk of Bridgeton in order to put it in, and of course, it has never it has never paid off. I mean, you can go on and on. The convention center downtown, they've put in tons of money in that. We had the we had the dome, which was cost seven hundred twenty million dollars. That was state city and county money and it never really did what it planned to do it was supposed to move the city forward last year st louis the city of st louis uh listed as the number one fastest shrinking city in america so that obviously didn't pay off but now they're going to spend 480 million dollars to expand it so everywhere you look you see projects that are costing enormous amounts of money and they're not really uh paying off for the taxpayers Well, I wanted to talk to you about what you think might be happening if power starts to shift in the county, because you mentioned how they almost had enough votes. But we always look at the different committees and the way that they pan out, the disagreements that they have, just going back to how it was chaired for the past month. I mean, still looking and and trying to settle that But when it comes to lawsuits or whatever. So if there is a shift in power when it comes to votes, how do you think that bodes for some of these projects? And how do you think that bodes for uh, Sam Page as county executive to be able to get whatever he wants without opposition? Well, he's still going to be able to get probably a a, a lot of what he wants. you have to realize the council is now is now somewhat divided, uh, and we don't know who's going to be the chair right now. We have Rita Days as a chair. She is uh, not a Sam Page supporter. So the stands right now, there are uh, four who are not Sam Page supporters and three who are, are th- three who are. Uh, but on some of these projects, it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be they're going to be at, at loggerheads. Uh, they may agree on them, but. Uh, on other issues, I think Sam Page, when you look at some of the new committee chairs, I think he could he could be looking at some uh, some rough sledding in, uh, in, in the months ahead. I like that you said sledding based on the amount of snow we have. That's a very <laughs> nice tie-in for all of that. So there was a, a county council meeting. Anything exciting happened this week? Uh, no. One issue that got into it was uh, uh, Tim Fitch had one of the $122,000 taken off the health department budget. This was in response to hiring um, Rochelle Walton Gray at $89,000 a year. And he figured in the fringe benefits and said it's $122,000. So they actually approved that. But I would think that that's, it would be an ordinance, and I think that uh, Sam Page will likely veto it, and you need five votes to override a veto, and I don't think uh, they have the votes. So it's just kind of, a, uh, it's just kind of something they did to, to express their their disapproval, but I don't think you're going to stop Sam Page from doing that. Can I ask you about something else totally unrelated, but if I'm trying to, I'm just trying to remember some unfinished business that's left on the table. So part of this coronavirus money that came in, uh, didn't the county start building a permanent morgue in um, Earth City? Is that right? Uh, They did, and I think they closed it down. That was rather controversial. Because it was just, they just started building it all on, on, you know, the administration just started building it all on its own. They didn't bring it to the, to the county council. They didn't bring it to uh, the public. And then, then uh, Hayes Lurby, who was the uh, director of diversity, inclusion, and equity at the time, was saying that they, there was no minority participation. Eventually, I think they did close it, but uh, no doubt they. Uh, they took a they took a hit on that. I forget exactly what it cost, but it was several million dollars. Yeah, and now what happens to that facility that they were doing? That just does it sit there vacant? 
Uh, I suppose so. Uh, oh, they haven't they haven't given out any more information on it. I know in the <laughs> in the city they they just used a, a temporary facility. So I mean it was they didn't have the they didn't have the amount of money invested. But St. Louis County they act like the uh, the 173.5 million that they got from the federal government. They almost act like it's. Uh, is play money the way that they uh, oh. the way they're spending it? Yeah, this this should be very concerning. Of course, when there is secret multi million dollar projects that are short term and then no follow up, no repercussions, no one talks about it, no one knows about it. That is very concerning when it comes to tax money. And I do give credit to the city in the way that they handled their coronavirus uh, spending. They were very pragmatic. You know, it was, let's give you hotel vouchers if you need to quarantine away from the family as opposed to blocking off entire uh, hotels. And who knows if we're still paying for that. I don't even know when that stopped in the county, when they were blocking off entire uh, hotel wings. And then... Um, they were temporary morgues if they needed it. They had the ability to use these uh, air-conditioned, specialty-built type of like, uh, looks like almost like semi-trailers or whatever, just in case, as opposed to building permanent facilities. And ultimately speaking, the city was able to use some of that coronavirus money in other ways that were productive. I think some of the money was even used when it came to the uh, the homeless tiny homes or whatever, because they thought, well, it'd be better when it comes to the spread if there was a place to get them off the street. And, you know, that's productive, at least. So I give them credit for that. County's the exact opposite. They blew through it. They were secretive. They weren't doing things right. Not really any oversight. There's really no one to audit, so we don't even know about what's going on half the time. And even for you, someone that pays close attention to these things, to not really know what happened to a multi-million dollar project is a a huge failure. And this is uh, the county politics in a nutshell. There has been uh, no oversight at all of the $173.5 million uh, if you recall, the county executive asked the county council to give him authority to spend the money, which they did. And then we had these other groups who were uh, that he formed. They were supposed to be advising them on 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 the money, and and they were they were all meeting in secret, and nobody knew exactly what they were doing or or what they were advising or or whatever. And of course, uh, the county auditor wasn't doing anything. On the state level, we had the state auditor every month. She issues a, a an audit or a report on how the state of Missouri is spending the money. We don't have anything like that in St. Louis County. Yikes. Well, I'm glad that you are paying attention. If it wasn't for the works of you paying close uh, an eye on what goes on in the county, a lot of these things would just be lost forever. Just a giant money pit in it boggles my mind considering how burned we were during the Stanger administration and considering he's in federal prison right now for what he did while he was in office we should be a little bit more careful with how we handle things in money inside of the county and how we handle our contracts our deals and how we spend it but it doesn't seem like we learned our lesson because here we are in the dark still with millions of dollars going to places that we don't even know without an auditor to be able to properly identify these things it's such a it's so bad right now and I don't think we give it enough pressure there needs to be more pressure when it comes to county uh, politics and government because it's just this. We shouldn't have to stand for this. So I'm sorry. I'm just ranting. Uh, I don't know if you feel the same way, but I'm glad that we get a chance to talk about these here on Overnight America. Well, I might mention the other thing, too, is we have the county executive who is still working a part time job. You know, the county charter says he's, he's supposed to devote his entire time to the duties of his office. And that would just go. Uh, that came up for a while. And then everybody, everybody just kind of forgot about it. And uh that's where it is right now. Apparently, he's just going to keep on uh, working a part-time job at, uh, as an anesthesiologist at Mercy Hospital. So uh, he doesn't seem to have any concern at all about what the charter mandates. Yeah. Tom Sullivan, 
County politics. We talked to him uh, about those here on Overnight America. Thanks for joining us tonight. Thanks for having me, Ryan. I think Tom Sullivan is awesome. He joins us on the Bomberito Automotive Group guest line. This is Overnight America, KMOX. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. News Radio 1120 KMOX, the voice of the Cardinals. It's always cool the different people we get an opportunity to talk to here on Overnight America. And since we're late at night, when you look at some of the different places across the world, it's uh, not exactly night everywhere, including our guest, who is the former mayor of Shiloh, Israel, live from Israel, Mayor David Rubin. How are you? Well, I'm fine. Good to be with you, Ryan. Uh, yeah, I appreciate the time. And, and technically, you're kind of in the future in a way because it is February 18th. About seven thirty-two in the morning there in Israel, and my producer Mike said, "Well, since you're living in the future, he wants to know uh, who wins the uh, women's semifinals in the Australian Open." He's very curious. <laughs> okay, well, if you want to know the answer to that, I guess you have to ask an Israeli, right? <laughs> All right. So I wanted to um, talk to you about the relations between the United States and Israel, because there has been an administration change. Uh, President uh, Biden now in office. President Trump handled things very differently. We saw that President Trump was very hands on. He wanted to keep relations positive between the United States and Israel. Uh, President Biden, I don't know what it's going to look like. And I'm curious, between the two administrations, have you seen much of a change yet? Uh, there have been se- several changes that have been noted. Uh, at, th- at this point, it's more a question of what will actually play out rather than what was promised. Uh, you know, that, that you just have to understand. Going back a little bit to uh, understand the background, uh, we had eight very difficult years with President Obama. Uh, th- those were truly eight difficult years in the Israel-United States relationship. A lot of tension, a lot of confrontation. And then President Trump came in, and it it, it truly was a a love affair. Uh, President Trump came in with a a real heart for Israel. He really, really connected with Israel. And that's why he, he he moved the embassy to Jerusalem. You know, he mm-hmm. he he recognized uh, Jerusalem as Israel's uh, capital, Israel's historic capital, which it is, of course. Uh, mm-hmm. Then then he recognized the Golan Heights as part of sovereign Israel, Golan Heights, which which borders Syria, and is critically strategic. 
And then, then he also uh, cut off aid to the Palestinian Authority because they had been financing terrorism. Now, you have to understand just how, how the things work here. Um, and I'll just give you a little personal side note. Uh, I was wounded in a terrorist attack uh, about 18 years ago. And uh, in, in that terror attack was a shooting attack. I was wounded in my leg and uh, as I was driving home with my three-year-old son, my son was shot in the head. Um, so, you know, this this there were so many terrible terrorist attacks like that. I mean, literally thousands of terror victims in Israel. And uh, so, as a result of that, um, I've, I've I've come to understand that there's a lot, a much bigger picture going on here. And 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 what happened is that uh, the Palestinian Authority, which is the quasi-governmental authority of the the Palestinians' autonomy in certain parts of Judea and Samaria, the so-called West Bank. They have been funding terrorism. They give salaries every month to anyone who has committed a terrorist attack. And I, I only mention my personal story because uh, the the terrorists who shot and wounded my son and me, uh, they have been receiving salaries every month, even though they're in jail. Uh, they've oh. been receiving salaries every month through their families. And as have every terrorist, as has every terrorist who uh, wounded or killed an Israeli. So uh, President Trump said, no more. We're not going to allow that anymore. Now, getting back to your uh, original question about President Biden, uh, we have seen certain changes. And one of those changes is that President Biden has reestablished the relationship with the Palestinian Authority and restored the financial aid to the Palestinian Authority, which, as I had just described to you, uh, which they are using to finance terrorism. Mm. And that that's something that's totally unacceptable. It's not the only thing that's unacceptable, but it's certainly, uh, in, in my eyes, it's, it's the key problem. Wow. Uh, there's so much that I don't think we understand between the countries there and probably the first time in my lifetime, we actually started to see some peace accords start to materialize and actually take a step forward with several countries, uh, multiple countries, I should say, in the region in a big uh, step forward through Israel, making and facilitating all of these things from happening. These were things that many people said could never happen. And then it started to work. I keep thinking about walking back and then um, supporting uh, su uh, supporting terrorism back in the region and what the wrong step would be in order to try to make things going back to when the Obama administration uh, handled things, how to make things back into uh, th that when that was normalized. And we don't want that. And I, I wonder in Israel, the people that live there, um, what do they feel about how all of this is playing out right now with the new administration? Yeah, certainly a good question because uh, yeah, we we have to understand that uh, going back to uh, the recognition of Jerusalem as Israel's capital and the moving of the embassy to Jerusalem, uh, th there were countless warnings, and th and this is where we connect Trump and Biden because 
uh, Biden was one of the people who warned against the moving of the embassy to Jerusalem. And, and the warnings were coming in fast and furious. If you do this, uh, if, you know, if, if Donald Trump goes ahead and does this, uh, this reckless uh, act of moving the American embassy to Jerusalem, we are going to see riots in the streets of every Arab city in the Middle East. We are going to see um, massive, massive protests. Uh, there's going to be a, an uptick in terrorism. All of this is going to happen. They're, they're doomsday warnings of mm. what was going to happen if that embassy was moved to Jerusalem. Well, the move was done. It was official. And uh, there, there was only a, a small amount of protests in a couple of Arab towns uh, in Israel. So uh, it was quite interesting. And, and what has happened since then is even more interesting because not only has uh, the, the, the rioting and uh, the terrorism not materialized, I mean, there's always terrorism in, in, in Israel, but, but it, it, you know, that, that sharp uptick in the terrorism and the riots uh, that were predicted, it never happened. It never mm-hmm. happened. And not only did it never happen, uh, but there is peace breaking out. Now, you know, the, the, the prevailing assumption has always been, and, and this goes through all the administrations, goes through, you know, all the way from Jimmy Carter through the two Bushes and, and, and President Clinton and President Obama. Uh, you know, it's all of them. They have always operated on the presumption that you can't do things uh, in relation to Israel and the Middle East without having the approval of the Palestinians. Mm-hmm. And and that, so President Trump, who's an out-of-the-box kind of guy, he broke that assumption. He said, uh, no more, we're not going to operate that way any, anymore. We're going to do what's right. And mm-hmm. he, he went ahead and he did what's, what was right in terms of Jerusalem, in terms of other issues, <clears throat> in terms of cutting off the aid uh, for the support of terrorism, cutting off the aid from the Palestinians, and it worked. And now we have peace breaking out between Israel and other Arab countries who no longer need the approval of the Palestinians to make peace with Israel. And and mm-hmm. and that is just fascinating how President Trump engineered that. And right. I, I hope and pray that, that President Biden uh, will follow that lead and will, will, will not just operate reflexively uh, in turning back whatever President Trump accomplished. Yeah, Joining us is uh, former mayor of Shiloh, Israel, uh, David Rubin. And uh, maybe after the break, I want to ask you what that means when an administration goes back with working with Iran. And we've always looked at them as a bad actor, at least during the Trump administration. And that was something we had in common. That was uh, a lot of what, when the peace accords started to come together, we were able to point to the danger of uh, an area like that and a country like that. So I wanted to get your thoughts on Iran and what could be happening there between the United States and what that would mean for the peace deals in uh, Jerusalem after that, or I should say uh, Israel after that. Do you mind holding on after the break? Sure, I could do that. Perfect. And he's going to join us, David Rubin, former mayor of Shiloh, Israel, on Overnight America KMOX. This is Overnight America, sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. 
michaelsflooringoutlet.com on KMOX. Joining us here is the former mayor of Shiloh, Israel, David Rubin. Thank you so much for spending time with us tonight on Overnight America. Well, you're welcome. I think uh, one of the big differences you saw during the Trump administration right away, he recognized Iran as being a bad actor, not really working in good faith, and then immediately tried to make sure we keep an eye on that and then not reward them for their type of actions. President Obama wanted to work with them and, you know, trusted them to a certain extent. And I think President Biden is starting to move in that direction, too, saying, you know, they're not all that bad. We can trust them. What is your view of Iran being so close to them and knowing their history with Israel? Well, Biden made it very clear before he was elected uh, that that he wanted to uh, get back into the Iran nuclear deal, and it's important to understand what that nuclear deal was uh, that that was signed in 2015 uh, between the Obama Biden administration and Iran. Uh, so uh, that deal <clears throat> was negotiated in a rush. It, it, it was a, a mad rush to get it signed as quickly as possible. The Iranians even announced uh, several days before the agreement was signed that the Americans, and I'm quoting, I'm paraphrasing actually, uh, the Americans are desperate for a deal. And uh, that deal was signed, and the Iranians understood that the Americans were desperate for a deal, and they uh, they, they made certain demands and one of those demands was fulfilled on the night that the agreement was signed. Billions of dollars in cash on, pal- <clears throat> on pallets in an airplane were, were flown to Iran overnight as part of the closing of that deal. Uh, those billions of dollars have been put back into the Iranian nuclear program, the nuclear research program to develop a bomb. And those dollars have also been spent on supporting uh, extreme radical Islamic terrorist organizations throughout the Middle East. So that's what the Iran deal was. Now, uh, yes, it provided uh, a modicum of of uh, supervision in many, uh, in several of the nuclear sites uh, where they're developing uh, the nuclear weapons, a nuclear bomb. That's that's really what they're working on. Mm-hmm. And there are several nuclear sites that were not mentioned at all in that deal. And those are the nuclear sites where they're working fast and furious for the bomb. So uh, it's important to understand that the deal was faulted from the start. It was a, a problematic uh, nuclear deal. And the fact that uh, Biden and his people are... are uh, they are, you know, just dying to get back into that nuclear deal uh, is very problematic. You know, Trump Trump really ratcheted up the pressure on Iran, uh, made it possible for uh, certain undercover things to be done uh, that I that I can't spell out uh, right here and now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there were a, a lot of things that were done uh, by Israel, by the United States. Uh, to keep the pressure on Iran and to stop them uh, from their nefarious actions. 
So when we talk about the different piece of chords that have been worked on, uh, do you see those continuing to move forward? Do you see those in jeopardy based on the way that the relations of the Biden administration will be stepping in and taking some of those over? Well, you, you accurately are pointing out the connection between the Iran issue and the peace agreements that have been reached, because uh, the Iran issue was the motivating, the main motivating factor. I mean, obviously, trade and business and things like that between countries uh, always motivate peace deals. Uh, but the, the main motivating factor was the Iran issue, uh, because countries that signed peace agreements with Israel in the past year, uh, such as Bahrain and the United Arab Emirates and Sudan and Morocco, these countries are very concerned about Iran's uh, attempts at, at dominating uh, the Persian Gulf and the Middle East. And uh, President Trump rightly tuned into that and uh, ex ex exploited that desire uh, to, to confront Iran and that fear of Iran in order to make peace agreements between Israel and, and these Arab countries. And uh, though <clears throat> these peace deals are working out just great. Uh, it's true normalization, and uh, yes, there is a, a developing strategic alliance. So when when President Biden now, uh, when he does what President Obama did with the Prime Minister of Israel and confronts him and and tries to pressure him and says that we uh, that that we have to get back into that nuclear deal, uh, he won't just have the Prime Minister of Israel saying, no, you can't do that, it's, it's problematic, you shouldn't do it. Uh, now he will also have up to six Arab countries, who, which are central countries in the Middle East, and I'm including Egypt and Jordan, which made peace with Israel some years ago. All of those countries are concerned about the Iran nuclear threat, the Iran uh, hegemonic threat in the Middle East of trying to take over countries, and trying to uh, to dominate, and all of those countries will say no to Biden, and that and that's a very significant development, and it's it's truly to the credit of President Trump. And I, in my book, Trump and the Jews, I laid that all out. I made it very clear uh, so that people understand the significance of this. Uh, right. That it's truly a seismic a, a seismic change from. Uh, the Obama administration to the Trump administration. And hopefully, President Biden, if he truly wants to uh, have a good relationship with Israel and with the other countries in the Middle East, truly he will pay attention to the accomplishments of President Trump. Yeah, supposedly there was a call, was it today or yesterday, one of the days. So I, I hope that it, they get through to it. And uh, Benjamin Netanyahu is, I think, the one that was planning on uh, spent, I don't know how much time they were actually uh, speaking, but I think he's very effective as a leader, and hopefully he can portray just how important it is to continue the normalization of trying to get these countries together and how important it was to, to see that landmark deal come through. And by the way, if people wanted to look up your book, Trump and the Jews, uh, or any of your other works, where can they find you? Well, the best way is to go to my website, which is davidrubinisrael.com. That's Perfect. DavidRubinIsrael.com. And 
People can find you, your book on there, and live from Israel tonight, the former mayor of Shiloh, Israel, David Rubin. I had a, a, a very informative. Thank you so much for coming on and talking to us tonight on Overnight America here in the United States. Well, thank you, Ryan. It was good to be with you. And David Rubin joins us on the Bomberito Automotive Group guest line. Very informative. I've learned a lot with that. And uh, what a great way to uh, end out the show here tonight. All across the United States, we get to connect with Israel. It's such a cool thing that we get the opportunity to do every once in a while to talk to countries and other countries. All right. uh, Replay hours are coming up. Enjoy the rest of your night. We'll be back again tomorrow at 8 o'clock. Sleep well. We'll see you soon. Bye. My heart beats with the lonely rain your face again change the dial on the radio find something playing kind of bluesy and slow if things were only like they used to be we'd be lying in love tonight i wish you'd call me platform with something for everyone news in order to secure convictions in a court of law it is essential that we conclusively sports that clock at four Doncic. the step back three you bet. music you set my world on fire yes, and even podcasts whatever you love hear it right here on TuneIn. go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months.